Blog Talk Radio. Lady Gaga won big at the VMAs. She accepted each award wearing a different mask. Unfortunately, the masks were not made of meat. I'm Brett Singer. This is my show. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Brett from the Bunker. It is Friday, September 4th. It's September already. The year is still 2020. Damn you, 2020. As people like to say, Lindsay Barnes says that in her act. She says, damn you, 2020. And, uh, but it's still 2020, so we got to say what it is. And I am joined today by Jesse Snedden. Jesse, how you doing? I'm doing great, Brett. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for coming on. All right, so we're still asking uh, My mask is also not made of meat, by the way. Your mask is not made of meat. What, you don't want to just chop no, a lamp it's, it's made out of face? dried hummus. Dried hummus. That's a good, that's a good yeah, choice. Yeah. Then if you get hungry, you know, yeah, if you, you get hungry, it, you can just eat it. It's low-cal. I like it. I like that a lot. That's a good, that's a, good, that's a very Jewish choice. Exactly. It's a very Jewish choice. Um. So I ask everybody this, and I was asking everybody this when we started this five months ago, but I think it's still valid. How are you holding up? Uh, you know, uh, other than living in a dystopian nightmare, uh, trapped in my apartment, uh, uh, you know, as well as can be expected, I suppose. Okay. You make do, you know. You just think about it this way. Like, you know, there are people having a lot worse time of it in this crisis than me, so I try to focus on the positive. I think that's a good way to look at it. I think that's a very good way to look at it. Um, what are you doing to stay sane? Uh, who said I'm staying sane? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'm who doing, uh, I'm doing what I can, you know, because comedy, you know, you can't stop doing comedy just because there's no clubs. So, you know, we're doing doing open mics on uh, on Zoom and shows on Zoom. And I actually have uh, my own rooftop show that I'm doing biweekly. Uh, just try to, you know, we make sure everyone wears a mask and all the comedians bring their own mics so that there's no chance of spreading the disease. But, no, just try to make do. That's great. That's awesome. How have the, how have the rooftop shows been going? Like, what, how, how is it getting up in front of live people again? Uh, it's, the first one, it was like a breath of fresh air. It really was. Like, it's, you, you don't realize how much you miss something until you do it again. You know, like you have this sort of existential idea of what it was like, but then you get up there and there's a mic and some people and it, it just, it, it just brings you right back. You know, I, I'd do it in a dumpster if I had to. <laughs> Hopefully it won't come to that. But I know well, you, you never know. Dumpster comedy. Maybe that'll be a thing. Maybe, that, maybe that's Could how we'll be, be an, going, an, an angle, you know. But you said something interesting that you yeah. can't stop. I mean, I, there there were a lot of comedians, and there still are, who just won't do Zoom. Like they're like, I, I don't like it. I don't like not having feedback. And my feeling is, okay, but if that's what we have, then that's what you got to do. Like I find I've, I've got an outdoor show coming up on Saturday, and I was a little nervous about it. So I was like, crap, I'm used to sitting here with my iPad, like with notes of jokes I'm working on when I'm doing mics and I'm doing shows. So I said, all right, for next week, I'm putting all that away. I'm just going to get up here, and I'm going to try and go, you know, go, go back to going from memory. 
And what I realized is when you get in the rep, it's all still there. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Like, you know, I, what our first rooftop uh, show, you know, I've been doing obviously nothing but zoom mics and I, the same thing, I've got the notes on the side, but you know, I've done them all 50 times or a hundred times. So by the time I got on stage, they were, they were in my head already. I didn't, I didn't realize I didn't even need those notes anymore. You know, they're just there because, right. it's, uh, you know, it's on the computer screen. Right. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's obviously, I mean, it's easy the way you can do a joke that you just wrote five minutes ago. You know, it's not a big deal. You can, uh, you got it right there on the screen. You can pop it in. But, um, but if you, if you, I mean, I just can't imagine getting up if I hadn't been doing anything, you know, for five months. Like, that's just, also, I don't know what I would be doing with myself. I, I've said this many times on here. Like, I understand that some people are just sitting around watching TV, but there's just, I don't know, there's only so much of that I think I could take. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, uh, I don't know, I think there's a, I don't want to be mean, but there's an element of laziness to the idea of, well, I don't like Zoom. So I don't want to do it. You know, it's the same people are like, well, I don't like open mics. I mean, open mics aren't fun either. Right. You know, but but, they're, but they're what you have to do if you want to do this, you know, as a professional. You know, no one's going to yeah, put no, you I, up I, just I totally out of agree. the blue for no reason. <laughs> so you got you to gotta plug away. And if, if, you know, a global pandemic gets in your way, then you got to figure out a way around it. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. I mean, again, I mean, not to, the, one of the first things I did was set up an, set up an open mic so that I could, you know, have a place to go. And then there were other open mics. And, and there, I mean, there's, there, I mean, there's a staggering number. I mean, what, if there's pretty much any time of day, um, except for like early, there's not like a morning mic. But other than that, there's no. pretty much something any, any time you want to do it, there is, a, there, you know, there's a chance. There's I don't think comedians can, can operate do. in the morning, to be perfectly honest. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine a morning mic, what that would be like. But, uh, yeah, anywhere else. I mean, I, I hosted uh, an open mic, and, uh, you know, I've, I've done yours uh, many times, and there's, there's tons of other ones out there. Like, the opportunity to get, I mean, I wouldn't call it stage time, but we'll call it uh, to, to get the words out, which is the most important thing, is, is available for those of us that want to do it. Right. Oh, no, totally. Um, so other than comedy, how have you been passing quarantine? Uh, well, you know, a lot of Netflix, not so much chill anymore due to the uh, <laughs> pandemic. But, uh, you know, I've actually, you know, I've gotten material off of the TV that I've been watching. You know, like normally, you know, when you're out in the world, you get material from that. But I've written jokes about shows I've been watching and whatnot. It's like, and uh, that's been pretty much it. I, I've been, uh, oh, I've also, I, I've been doing a weekly radio spot uh, over the last couple of weeks with, uh, with my writing partner, um, Lauren LeJudice, who does Melania Trump. We've been, uh, we've been the White House correspondent for this radio show in Chicago. Oh, cool. uh, her as Melania Trump and me as uh, her Secret Service agent, Johnson Smith. And uh, so that's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's really cool. That's uh, WCGO, the Playtime with Bill and Carrie every Sunday at 3.45 we're on there, not to uh, plug nice. anything. No, <laughs> please plug away. Plug away. That's really cool. You know, I, you know, I, th- I feel like, you, you know, I always thought, you know, in order to accomplish something, you know, especially in this business, you know, you have to work hard, obviously, but you also have to be in the room. 
And right now, that's the Zoom room, you know, like it or not. No, you can't just yep. take a six-month break and then expect to come back like nothing happened. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think you got to keep sharp and you got to you got to keep the muscles working. And you know, I mean, I, I mean, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say hey, it's better or anything like that, but it, I've gotten used to it. I, I can honestly say that I've, I've I've adapted to it and I feel I feel pretty yeah. good about it. And, and and there are some advantages. I mean, you don't have to travel. I mean, there's something to be said for being it's able true. to like, hop I, on a mic, I, I have, hop on another one. I have a sneaking suspicion that after, even after this is over and, and there are live mics and live shows again, I don't think the online open mic is going away. Because, no, like, I what agree. if it's raining and, it's, and you don't want to go out, but you still want to get your reps in, you can just do a, do a Zoom mic. Or, like, or, or another thing is, like, we, you know, the, the mic that I host, and and you too. Like we we get people now from like California and Chicago that could never yes. do our mics if they were live because they're not in New York. Yeah. No. I think I actually think that's fun. I mean, there, I mean, there's there's people who pop in from all from all over the country, and I I enjoy that. I think it's kind of neat. And it's interesting um, and to see how the I, style I one differs. In Texas last night. I'm oh, sorry. I said it's interesting to see how the style differs. You know, like California comedians is very different from New York comedians. Fascinating. It's so uh, interesting to see. I would say to, worse, to see the differences. But that's just me being a jerk because uh, I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> there you go. Well, we always think we always think we're better. Of course, we think we're better. Why would we think we're worse? We have to think we're better. exactly. Um, so, so you mentioned the you mentioned the Melania and the Secret Service agent. Tell me that this was part of something called the Melania Show. Tell me a little about that. Yeah, we. Uh, in August of last year, Lauren and I started writing this. Lauren's been doing Melania for a while now, and she actually has a book out uh, called Inside Melania, uh, which is about uh, what she learned about Melania by impersonating her. And uh, we wrote uh, a show, the Melania Trump Road Show, which was uh, about Melania and her Secret Service agent and her press secretary traveling all over the country secretly to drum up votes against her husband, but not because nah. she thinks he's a bad president, just because she doesn't like living in the White House and she wanted to go home. Right. So it was a purely selfish act. But we, uh, yeah, we wrote it, we booked it out, we had a tour planned, and it was supposed to start May 1st. Really? So obviously that never happened. So, but we've adapted once again. Like, so we've done, uh, we, we sort of cut it down and changed it and made a virtual version of it, which we've done four or five times. And I think we're doing one again uh, next Thursday for some bookstore to, as a part of promoting oh, cool. her book. But, uh, oh, you know, you just, it is, it is what it is. You know, we bought all of this merchandise that's sitting in our the trunk of a car somewhere, which we're now selling online. I'll, I'll talk about that later. But, uh, you know, it, it it was very frustrating, obviously, to have worked on something for the better part of a year and then not get to do it. But again, you know, it, it's, that's that's part of the business. I mean, everyone's had a project that never got off the ground, and you just got to keep moving. And so we're we're working on some new stuff to do after the election, uh, regardless of who wins. And uh, and so we're just going to keep going with it. That's great. I think that's great. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like you know you were able to get a radio spot out of it. I mean, you know, the, 
You, it's yeah, not like exactly. you didn't do anything. We just kept working. What we've also done is we put up a ton of content uh, on social media with Melania doing different, various stuff and Johnson Smith doing stuff and all of it talking about what's really happening, we'll quote, air quote, really happening inside the White House. And uh, that's grown a little bit. You know, it's just you, you adapt. You adapt and survive. That's sort of the nature of this business. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, I think that's absolutely right. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, what is your opinion of political humor? I mean, you do some – I've seen you do some in the open mics, but, I mean, you're definitely not what I call a political comic. But you certainly, you know, you watch the RNC and you did some jokes about that. Like, um, what place do you think it has in, in somebody's act? Uh, I think it depends on the comic. I mean, I remember when I first started, well, first started the second time, which is another story. But I wrote, I, I tried really hard to write this joke about Trump and whatnot, and it never got off the ground. And part of that was because there's, there's a bit of Trump exhaustion you know, people people don't go to the clubs to get bogged down in politics. But another, but the main reason it never worked is I wasn't good enough yet. You know, like mm. you have to be able to see where you know my writing wasn't good enough at that time to cover a topic that is so difficult. You know, I feel like if you know if uh, you know Sam Sam Marill or. Uh, uh, Gaffigan, I mean, well, Gaffigan just did his whole thing, but, you know, someone yeah. in that kind of Jerry Seinfeld, they're such good writers that they can make a joke about anything. Patrice O'Neill, you know, the late lamented Patrice O'Neill was great at that. Like, he could, he could write a joke that started with you hating him and hating everything he was talking about, and he could turn it around and get you to actually agree with him by the end of it. Right. And uh, so, you know, but I think political humor is, 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 it's for whoever wants to do it. It's hard, you know, and it, and it can alienate people, you know, like if you do, if you're playing a club in Iowa and you're doing nothing but 20 minutes of anti-Trump stuff, it's probably not going to go over very well. Right. You know, whereas the same thing, like if you're here and doing pro-Trump stuff, it's not going to work out. So, but if, if the joke's good enough, I think it will, you know, you can, you can get it over anyway. Um, I think that makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That is, I, I briefly had uh, a, a talk with Gary Goldman, a talk. He answered a question of mine when he was doing, doing an event at Gotham Comedy Club. And I asked him how he does, you know, I asked him about doing all the jokes he does about depression. And I said, you know, I kind of want to write some stuff about my mental issues and I've been having trouble. And he said, well, it helps if you've been doing comedy for 20 years. And I was like, exactly oh, right. Okay. <laughs> and I, and, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't rude. It was really like, Oh, that may, it no. actually sort of was a weight lifted. I said, Oh, okay. That makes a lot like, I'm just not ready to do that yet. It's, that's a, that's advanced math. That's a much harder yeah. topic than, you know, Absolutely. talking about your day or your marriage or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I, uh, you know, speaking of Gary Goldman, I, I, I asked him a question. We're just telling Gary Goldman stories now, but uh, yes, this is the I Gary was, Goldman. I was, well, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if there's anyone you want to talk about, it's him. The guy's amazing. But sure, uh, I asked him because at the time I was writing, while I was writing the Melania show, I was also, you know, I had to write my own stuff for my own act, and I was finding it very difficult to switch gears. Like to, from going from writing for a character in a in a different world to then writing my own stuff, 
And I asked him on Twitter, of all things, I said, hey, Gary, how do you switch gears when you're doing that? And he, he replied with one sentence. He said, you'll figure it out. <laughs> and he's right. Like, that's, that's all there is, too. You just have to keep plugging along. You know, there's no substitute for experience, which is another reason I think people that won't do Zooms are, are making a mistake. Because at hours of time, they could have been working on stuff that they're not simply out of, I don't know, fights or just a dislike of the medium. But, you know, I thought oh, yeah. in, the, in the old days when, uh, you know, when, when radio was transferring over to television, I bet you the radio people hated doing television because it's different. Oh, I it's not I, what I they're 100%. used to. I think that's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. That makes perfect sense. But, you know, we don't know how long this thing's going to last. Zoom might be, you know, Zoom might be here for a long time. And so to just say, I don't want to do it because it's not what I'm comfortable doing. Comedy's not about being comfortable. If you're comfortable, you're doing it wrong. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that makes a lot of sense. That's, a, that's actually an interesting statement. So if you're, if you're comfortable, you're doing it wrong. So, the, so do you need to be a little unhappy, if, if not a lot unhappy, in order to do comedy? I don't think it's about being unhappy, although it probably doesn't hurt. But I just mean being uncomfortable with, you know, saying things that aren't necessarily in your comfort zone, you know, breaking out of that and, and being able to talk about stuff, being able to talk about yourself, you know, being able to talk about, you know, the mental illness, a perfect example. I doubt Gary Goldman was having a blast up there talking about his crippling depression. Right. You know, that's not an easy thing to talk about, but, but it, it was he needed to talk about it, and that's that's why that special is so great. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, that being said, I don't think I've ever met a happy out. comedian. Do they exist? Is, that, is, is there a happy comedian out there? Is with with more people doing comedy, there are more comedians that I would say are like are happy. And, and I, someone, a friend of mine, a fellow comedian once said they questioned those people's ability to really come up with good jokes. Like if they're, you know, if, if, if you're, if you're not a little bit messed up, like how do you, what, what's your comedy going to be like? And I, I, I think about that. Yeah. What, what do you, what do you have to talk about? Like I woke up this morning and had breakfast and it was delightful. Where's the, <laughs> where's the punchline? <laughs> I want someone to start their act like that. <laughs> I woke up this morning. What a I had my day. It what? was delightful. Yeah. So anyway, how about Ed Benedict? <laughs> What's the deal with holiday thoughts? Because it's funny. Like, <laughs> like, like, I, like, I would say, like, like Jerry Seinfeld doesn't seem like an unhappy guy, but he's not comfortable. Like he's ta- he, he's sort of obsessing over these minutia, and that's definitely not normal. Like that's not the kind of I thing. I think Jerry Seinfeld does. comes off as quite angry, to be honest. Yeah, I, I I think that's maybe that's a better way to put it. There's an underlying anger to everything he does. It just comes out. He's such a master craftsman that it comes out as these like these little minutia things. But all of those things really piss him off. You know, I don't think he's comfortable at all. Right. This is what makes him great. And Larry David, forget about it. That guy's Larry David, that's a whole other thing, yeah. <laughs> Larry David, there was a great story. Um, oh, God, who told the story? 
who was it? Was it Alan Zweibel? It was a panel that Alan Zweibel was on, but it might have been Larry Wilson, um, who told the story of, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Larry David playing golf with President Obama. And Larry tried to go first. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> he's, he's Larry David. And he was like, he, it was some, it was, I forget what, what he said. He, he said something like, you know, I had the number one TV show, so I'm going to go first. And then Obama said, I killed bin Laden, so I'm going first. Which is just great. <laughs> you know, but it's like, first, I mean, it's, it's like that, that could have been on the TV show. I mean, that, you know, that's how, like, the, you realize that the show is just, it is clearly just his life because that's, you know, that, that's something you could have had on Growing Your Enthusiasm. That would have been a whole episode. I got to be honest, I can't watch a full episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Really? Why not? It makes me so uncomfortable and anxious <laughs> that I have to stop. Like, I'll get through it eventually, but I can't watch it all in a row. I just have to stop and be like, God damn it, Larry, what are you doing? Why is this happening? Why well, won't you he's ever out of learn? Control. Yeah, no, he's out of control. Because it's, yeah, can't, it, goes, it's yeah. it goes from bad to impossible. <laughs> like, every single episode. You ever see Palestinian yeah, chicken? Right. Yeah, yeah, I've seen them chicken. all. Yeah. Okay, because, oh, my the, God, that one. That one and the, the, the one where his dog is racist. I mean, all, <laughs> all of them. I just, so good. I got to turn it off. I just so give good. myself a minute to, to decompress before I put it back right. on. Oh, there's an intensity. There's I, a legit I feel intensity. the same way with uh, uh, Eric Andre, who's the guy, like, when I first started doing stand-up the very first time around. Uh, I used to do open mics with, with Hannibal Buress and, and Eric Andre. Oh, wow. And, uh, and then uh, Eric, you know, Eric's show, the Eric Andre show, is another show where, like, I don't, I don't understand how a man can put himself in the position that he does with those pranks on the street. They make me so uncomfortable. I could never do that. Right. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Now, wait, now wait, you just said, so you had two times of doing stand-up? Like, you sort of started and stopped, or what yeah, happened? Yeah, yeah, I started, I started in my early 20s, which was when I was doing it with, uh, with Hannibal and Eric and those guys who, who, weren't, who weren't anybody yet. I think Eric was 19 when I met him. I was 22. Oh, wow. Something like that. And, uh, and then I, I quit for 15 years to pursue my other career of drinking heavily and having clinical depression and oh, uh choice yeah yeah it was a it was a poor career move on my part but uh it had to be done and then okay. I, I came back and started again full-time uh a little over four years ago and when that happened when i started doing stand-up at first i got sober and then uh, i started doing stand-up again and when I started doing it again, the best way I can describe it is it felt like I had regrown a limb that I wasn't aware I had lost. Oh, wow. It was like, this is, I need to do this. I'm not happy when I'm not doing it. I mean, I'm not happy now, but I'm more unhappy right. when I'm not doing stand-up. It's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a compulsion, you know, I, and, but not in a bad way. It's just like, I, I got to do it. I love it. I love it. Even when, you know when I realized it was for me is when you bomb, like, hard in a real club, not an open mic bomb. Like, you're doing 15 minutes, 
and by minute two, you're like, this is not going to go well. Right. <laughs> so, and then you still have 13 minutes to do because you've got to go till the light because the next guy's not there yet. And you learn to just embrace the bomb, just sort of marinate it. And, and you get off and you're like, well, that's the worst thing that happens. You know, who cares? Right. Well, that sucks. I had a yeah. comic book. All right, a comic back to the I drawing know. board. Comic I know bombed at a club, but he he got off stage, walked up to me, and he said, "Well, that was humbling." <laughs> it, was a, it was a bad bomb. It was an ugly bomb. It was like it was like a it was jokes that I had seen. It's someone that I know fairly well, and so I had seen those jokes do well. Like I mean, it, you know, it was it was his standard set, and usually it's fine. Like usually, but this time, oh boy, it just they were not into it. And yeah, for whatever reason, said, well, that was humbling, not and then went, out, then went to his next show. Yeah, that's the job. What you got to do? It's just, and you know, sometimes it can be it can be almost therapeutic to have a bomb. Sometimes you need a good bomb. I'll, I'll tell you one thing I've learned. Every time I get up there thinking, "Oh, this is going to go great," bomb immediately. Hmm. It never never fails when you get overconfident, and you're not putting that nervous energy into everything you're doing. They can smell it. They can smell that you're not trying as hard, and, and they don't like it. They can smell it. <laughs> they can smell it. There's something bizarre about the mob mentality. Someone should do a, an academic paper about the hive mind of an audience at a comedy club. Ooh, I like that. Because it's, it's bizarre. Like, sometimes there'll be, there'll be sets where, like, the left side of the audience is laughing and the right side isn't for every comic. And it's right. like, well, I don't even understand what's happening here. Like, why are these people so miserable and these people are having a great time? Yeah, no, you see that. You, why you stay for a whole show. I mean, that's one reason why I like staying for a whole show and not just sort of dipping in and out is you get to see, you get to see the reaction. And also then the crowd can change. Like the, you yeah, know, the, the show was going sometimes really one badly. person can bring it back to life. That's exactly what happened at this show. Someone got up and they had they had a solid set, and then I went up after that person and I had a great set. Um, I am not as good a comic as the person who bombed. The person who bombed is a better comic than me, but I did much better than they did because just because of where I went in the show. It just it just worked yeah, out that way, you know. Also, sometimes the audience just isn't feeling a particular person for whatever reason. Yeah. Like the only person I've ever seen, I've never seen have a bad set. Is uh is Dan Soder? Okay. Uh, like he's 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 headlined a bunch of a bunch of shows I did, and even when the audience, even when if every comic before them either bombed or did terribly mediocre, he can just like like he's building Frankenstein's monster. He can just resurrect an audience in a way. There's something about him. I don't know what it is, whether it's his energy or his his fearlessness, but he can just. Yeah, I've never seen. I've seen the worst audiences just light up when he gets on the stage. It's it's amazing to watch. Wow. I mean, that's great. I mean, obviously, you that's that's the comic you want to be. I mean, you want to be the guy who's the ray of light. That would be yeah. nice. And what I heard is that the reason, one of the reasons he's so good at that is that he took every check spot he could get his hands on for like two years, and so he learned how to grab the audience because when you're doing that check spot you know they're all complaining about who ordered this tequila slammer and what well i didn't get i didn't have as many mozzarella as you i am i paying 
And they don't know what's going on on stage, but he could somehow just grab them. Or he learned how to grab them. No, if you can do well in a check spot, you can do um, expl- Explain to someone I, I, what the I check spot is. I compare it to running for with someone. ankle weights on. Ooh, that's a, good, that's a good one. I like that. Like, if you can run with the ankle weights on, then when you take them off, you can just fly. For the non-comedians who might be listening, explain the check spot. Okay, so that in most clubs, about maybe one, one spot before the headliner usually is when the waitresses start distributing the checks to all the tables and, and collecting the checks because they want everything fresh when the headliner gets on. So when they, they send someone to the wolves to get up there during that time and nobody's really paying attention because everyone's looking at the check and deciding who's paying for what and, and you're just sort of up there and you're up there for as long as it takes the waitresses to clear everything out. So like in a, in a good club, you could be up there for seven minutes you know, if there's a new waitress, you could be up there 25 minutes with nobody paying attention. So you learn how to, how to grab their attention. You know, a, a, a trick that I like to use is uh, I'll make a comment about something I'm wearing so that people have to look to see what the joke is about the shirt I'm wearing oh, or whatever. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, that, that, like that works pretty well. But uh, and so it's just, it's very, very difficult because it's the end of the night. They've all had their drinks. Now they have to pay for the drinks, which they're not happy about. And, uh, and they're all, you know, they're at these tables together and they're all splitting the check 12 ways as the kids do these days. I've never understood that. Just have one person pay the check and everyone pay that guy later. Why do we have to split it 12 with 12 credit cards? It's, just, it's ridiculous. But anyway, that's one of my bugaboos. Because nobody uses as cash. As a former waiter as well. They don't, they don't want to touch cash. They don't want to touch that put filthy phone, money. Put one down, everyone else Venmo that guy. Or, sorry, I don't want to plug. Use one of those uh, apps that allow you to distribute <laughs> money between each other. Everyone just sell <laughs> that guy. Yeah, whatever. But anyway, what, yeah, so that's whatever. the text button in a nutshell. Is you're, just, you're up there and you, they're, they're not paying attention and you really got to you got to double down almost to get them to look at you. And that's how Dan Silver right. did do that. He did that for, you know, two, three years. That's smart and hard. I mean, that's, that you're basically saying, let me have the hard, let me have the hard job so that yeah, I can give me the hardest it. job there is. And, uh, and once I mastered that, then the easy job will be, you know, no problem. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot. That makes a lot of sense. Twenty-five minutes for a check spot. That's a long time. I've seen it. <laughs> no, I believe you. It's not I, pleasant. I, you clearly, you clearly were speaking from experience, and I, I, yeah. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh my, that's. Yeah, a I, don't, long I don't want to say time. which club it was, but they they had a brand new waitress, and they thought that the show wasn't going to sell out, and then it did. So, oh, so they she didn't was have just in way over, and it wasn't her fault at all. She was just, it was her, it was her first time doing it. She was in way over her head, and it just, it just spiraled out of control over the course of the evening, and so it took forever to get those checks done. So you're just up eating checks for 25 minutes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the job, you know. That's the thing. It's like what I've seen, you know, especially new producers who are producing their own show, will tend to like get up and if they're not having fun, they'll just pass the buck to the next guy. It's like, no, you got to do your time. 
I don't care how badly it's going. If you are getting, you know, 50 bucks to do 15 minutes, then you do that 15 minutes. You don't do 13 and you don't. Oh, I, I am. I'm so glad to hear you say that. I am a big stickler about time. Like I, it drives me crazy when somebody blows through the light and it all, and also oh, no when somebody goes off. I was hosting a show once and this guy was supposed to do 10 and I had gone out into, you know, into the bar area to talk to somebody and to get a drink. And I come back in, he's been up there for about six minutes. And then he just says, okay, I'm done. He said that it wasn't going well. So I like charge up to the stage. And, you know, it's like, you're supposed to do 10. Like, I'm, you know, and I, it's my job to be in the room and to understand. But like, I, I just, I stepped out for a second because I thought I had 10 minutes. Yeah, I was helping produce a show once, uh, and a guy ran. This show was so tight, like it was wall to wall. We had no extra time, which means anyone that runs the light. That's the other thing about running the light is when you run the light on a show like that, what you're doing is you're stealing time from another comedian, and that I do sure. not abide by. No, not okay. So the guy ran the light, and he came off, and I said, you know, you went over by two minutes, right? And he said, oh no, I'm so sorry. I said, it's fine, but the next time you do it, I'm going to put your head through this effing window. <laughs> Oh. And he, guess what? He never he never did it again. <laughs> when I when I, I produced so Springer, from Spring, like how tight I produced, the show was, right? I would I would always threaten to come up on stage, and that actually that threat actually worked pretty well because nobody wants that. Like nobody wants somebody just no, walk on stage and be like, "Hi, it's embarrassing." You're it's, it's, by the way, I don't want to do it. I mean, I have no desire to do it. No. I never had to, but. You know, I mean, it's, it's, that's the thing. Like, you go over by 30 seconds, I mean, whatever. You go over even a minute. I mean, it's like, all right. But no, 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 no. Once you, you go once over, over by 30 that, seconds, you're an asshole. I'm sorry. Really? You do you're, not you're go over. <laughs> I, by the way, agree with you. I think I think it is not that hard. You got to know. I, I will say in COVID, I have a much, I have much less of a sense of how long my jokes are. I used to have that, like a perfect five minute set. I knew exactly like when I got the minute light, I have, I had a joke and I have this, I, I've gotten it back now where like you get the minute light. I have a joke that I know is under a minute. Cause I'd rather go under than over. You know, if I have, right. if I have oh, seven yeah, minutes sure. and I do six and a half, I would, I, then I, I'd rather do six and a half yes. than seven and a half. That's my thing. 30, 30 seconds under is fine. 30 seconds over is, uh, is blasphemy. All right. I'm not going to argue. But, yeah, that. I agree with you that, uh, you know, it's, it's harder to get a sense of what, how long you've been up there in Zoom. You know, when, when you've been doing live shows long enough, you can feel five minutes. Like, you're like, even, even if, like, yeah, you're getting you start to be able laugh, to feel not, you can feel and you can, feel, you know, and eventually you get to feel 10 and 15, but, like, when you're when you're when there's sort of no there's no context to it when you're just looking at the computer, so it's, it's much harder to gauge how long you've been doing it. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I, have, I agree with you. Have you have that timer. Like, I keep my phone sorry, next to me, saying, and so no, that's right. I keep my phone yeah, next yeah. to me from taping all my sets, and so I like I just you know I can look at it. So it, so I guess that's it. I'm not sure my, my my muscle is not being trained in the same way. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I agree with you. You should always have a great joke that's short so that if you get the light, if, like, if, you're, if you're getting more laughs than you expected and the light comes on before you anticipated, you have a quick way to get out on, like, a short, funny joke to, uh, to, to close your set. 
Yeah, I try, I try to set it up. I sort of, you know, I mean, again, this is this is sort of like basic stuff that was kind of drilled into me from when I from when I started. But really, I mean, one of the first things someone said to me is they said, "Do not go over. Clubs don't like it." And if you are at, if you are at a club and you go over and you get a reputation as a guy who goes over, you're not going to get booked. And I just so I just always hung on to that. I said, you know what? I don't want to be that guy. I want to I want to be the guy who plays by the rules. Yeah, and like also if somebody's watching you, like if there's a booker in the room or something, and they see you go over, that's it. They're not going to talk to you. They just won't. Right. Yeah, there's there's way too many comics. There's there's too many people who can take your spot. Yeah. There's it's too many people who can do it the right way. Like, you know, they're not going to even bother Nobody you. I don't care you. how funny you are. If you go over, they're not interested. Nobody owes you stage time. As, uh, nope. This has, this has come up in, the, you know, the last the last couple. As, as things are starting to get booked again, some people some people are like, you know, oh, I should be doing a show. It's like, yeah, okay. You know, really? Why? Why should you? Be doing yeah, it? exactly. Like, why? Why did you? you know, what I mean, did you? What did you do to to make make a, a producer say, "Hey, I want that guy or that woman"? Exactly. Exactly. No, the show I'm doing on Saturday is with people that I know. You know, I mean, that's that's how it works. You know, if you, if you're not passed at a particular club, there, you know, it's highly unlikely that you're going to get booked on that club's outdoor show. You know. And quite frankly, these That's days, the way it if is. you're passed at a club, it, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a ton of time. Because clubs, you know, especially once this ends, clubs aren't putting anybody up that hasn't been on television. They oh, need yeah, I'm not revenue, and that. they need it now. So, like, they're not putting, you know, you and me up if they could put Judah Friedlander and, and, uh, and Todd Barry up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not going to happen. So you think, because, I mean, my, my feeling, and this is just based on what everybody's been saying, is that, you know, all the, like, some of the people who weren't necessarily doing, you know, clubs regularly are now going to want to do it more because they've been deprived. And, and, and a lot of their touring has gone away. So they're going to they're gonna want a lot of those spots that they didn't really want before. Yeah, well, that and also, you know, even if, you know, half of a club's roster is on tour, they still got the other half. And all of them have been on television. You know, all of them have had a, a Comedy Central 20-minute special or, you know, you know, been on a sitcom or whatever it is. Unfortunately, that's just that's the nature. It's the, it's the catch-22 of show business. You can't get something until you've had something, but you can't get something until you had something. <laughs> right. Yep. No, no, that makes that, that, that's hard. That's very, very hard. Not easy to get that TV. So you just gotta, you just gotta build from the ground up. Like, like just having this, uh, having done this radio show now, is something I can throw on my resume. You know, now I've I've done yeah, radio. That's awesome. I can say that. That's or like listen, you know, I got. Guy... Sorry, God. Oh no, I was just saying, like you know, before I got my first uh, uh, commercial. You know, I've I've got, I've got two commercials over the course of four years, which uh, well is nice, but it will not uh, pay the rent. But, uh, you know, but, but there are things I can say uh, people have seen. In fact, I, sometimes I, I have myself brought up at Saturday Night Live adjacent because the commercial I was in aired during Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, you just got to keep, keep pushing and keep trying, and eventually, you know, you put the work in, things will happen. I mean, as long as you're funny, of course. 
So you've got an acting background. Yeah, I I, uh, I went to um, to NYU for theater. So I was uh, I was an actor before I was a comedian. I did uh, I did the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in a play, and I did uh, some Shakespeare and whatnot. And then uh, and then one day, uh, you know, when I was twenty two, you know, when you're an actor, you go through ebbs and flows, much like a comedian, like where you're you're working a lot, and then all of a sudden you're not working. And uh, during one of those not working times, I thought I'd uh, you know I'd, I'd put together a set and try go to some open mics and see how that went and. Uh, and that was it. I was hooked. I was like, this is way better. Because I I like the fact that I'm out there, you know, without a net. Like, it's just me and my ideas and a microphone and a spotlight. And here it is. I hope you like it. But if you don't, I'll try harder next time. Right. I mean, I, I, I mean that's one of the things that I, I mean, the thing I like about stand-up is you can just do it. Like you can't get on a club show automatically, but you know, no, I mean, but anyone can, anyone not can like plunk down their five bucks mic. and get on a mic. Sorry, say again. I was saying anyone can just plunk down their five bucks or whatever it is and, and, and yeah. get in front of the microphone and do, do whatever they think is comedy at that moment. And you will get better. And everybody like will thinks continue when they to get better. I mean, That's I guess you could thing. take acting class, but it's not the same thing. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are, you know, people tend to poo-poo the idea of comedy classes, but there are there are good ones out there. Sure. I mean, Absolutely. My, I've taken my, my, yeah, my opinion of it is, you know, there's an arrogance that, well, I want to do it on my own. It's like, why would you want to fumble around in the dark when there's somebody with a flashlight right next to you who can point? I mean, no one can make you great. But what they can do is make it so that you don't make the obvious mistakes that everyone makes. You know, they can put you on a straight line. It's still going to take, you know, 10 years. But it won't take 15. Right. So you, you did a joke. I just I would be remiss if I did not bring this up um, because you did a joke that has stayed with me once. It was that when you were hosting a mic uh, and – it was Rachel Brosnahan from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel as a Goyim. And she oh, yeah, is yeah. doing what you, she, she is doing what you call Jew face. Yes. <laughs> and boy, did I love that joke. That just cracked me up. Yeah. I'm a fan of that one. Yeah. I, have, I actually haven't yeah, done that in a while. Mostly good. because, uh, you know, that, that one's one, I think that a, you gotta be, that's gotta be live and B. Uh, you know, I usually do it right around the time the next season starts of that show that I yeah just bring it back. Not a huge fan of, but you just bring it bring it back. It's bring it back as soon as it comes back. Perfect. Yeah, it's like everyone has like some people have like seasonal jokes. Like someone, everyone's got like a Valentine's Day joke that they can do once a year, <laughs> or like a Thanksgiving joke. That's my uh, Miss Maisel is back. It's time to yell at Rachel Brosnahan for being a fake Jew joke. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so we got we got like uh, about a minute minute and a half left. Why don't you go ahead and plug your social media and anything else you want to plug? Sure. Um, you can find me at uh, at DJ D O G R E on uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Ned and Comedy on uh, TikTok. And uh, our uh, joint account for Melania is at Floatis Official on Instagram and on TikTok. 
And Ooh, uh, if you want to buy good, good a one. bar of Trump off soap, yeah, we, I don't know how we got that one. If you want to buy a bar of Trump off soap that gets the orange out, you can find our merchandise at themelaniashow.com. Trump off soap. <laughs> I love it. it gets, the only thing I that gets it. the orange out of Melania is nooks and crannies. <laughs> oh, that's so vile. And so that's is that so marriage. That's so disgusting. Oh, that's so, that's just, uh, that's just so gross. I love it. Um, All right, Jesse, thank you so much for coming on. This was really fun. Thanks for having me, Brett. Okay, everyone, we will be back next week. Uh, Same bad time, same bad channel. And as always, please stay safe.